we shared that with you this morning so that you can get just another glimpse of what God is doing in the lives of our teenagers here. That here's a young man who's a junior, not even a junior, sophomore in high school. Sophomore in high school. And he's got a story to tell about what God has done in his heart and his life. And he wants to equip and empower others to share how God is working in their hearts and in their lives. And that's what we're doing this morning. Is that it's stories of God's grace and God's redemption. And how God is working in the hearts and the lives of the students here at First Presbyterian Church. We have three wonderful seniors this morning who are coming to share how God is working in their hearts and in their lives and has been working in their hearts and in their lives. Miss Melanie Quentin, Maya Daly, and Katie Brashear are coming this morning. And so Melanie's coming first this morning to tell us a little bit about how God has been working in her life specifically during this past senior year. And so, Melanie, come on up this morning and share with us. Oh, is this? Okay, cool. I'm used to singing into the microphones and not speaking, so this will be new for me. (laughs) Um, Today, I'm going to be talking about stress. This year has consisted of a ridiculous amount of stress. 24 pieces of artwork, 12 of which I've painted in the last two months, around 30 AP literature essays, Countless obscenely difficult calculus problems. Work at Mimi's most Saturdays and a few weeks at few weekdays after school. Hours upon hours of play in one act practices. SGA event planning. FCA meetings. College applications. Sorority recommendations. Grad invitations. You get the gist. Senior year is crazy. But when I look back at all of it, I'm so grateful for all the opportunities it gave me. Today... I want to talk about stress and how Paul in the book of Philippians taught me how to deal with it. My scripture today comes from Philippians 4, 4 through 9, which states, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Through this passage, I can see two distinct ways in which we can effectively deal with stress, through prayer and through gratitude and actively focusing on the positive. I'm naturally a fixer. I want to fix everything that goes wrong in my life. Therefore, I'm constantly stressed. However, in this passage, Paul makes it clear that we cannot face anxiousness without God. He states that we are able to cast our stress at the feet of Jesus and present our request to God freely no catch. That in itself should already lift some weight off of our shoulders. Our all-powerful God is willing to take our anxiety from us so that we may live in this amazing peace that we only have through Christ. I think that fact really shows us to, like, allows us to press onward. We have something, someone, God, to care for us. That's pretty amazing. The other way that we can deal with stress is to replace it with more positive thoughts. 
I want everyone in this room to close their eyes real quick. Just close your eyes for a sec. Now, whatever you do, don't think of pizza. Don't do it. Don't think of a hot cheese and sauce covered slice of pizza. Okay, now open your eyes. Was that super hard? I bet each and every one of you thought of pizza. Okay, now close your eyes again. Think about your favorite type of ice cream. Could be plain old vanilla, cookies and cream, butter pecan, maybe mint chocolate chip. Okay, open them again. Were any of you thinking of the pizza that I mentioned earlier? No, you were too busy thinking about your favorite type of ice cream, right? Okay, so this analogy sounds kind of lame, but it outlines how we can combat the negativity that stress creates when it dwells in our minds. Paul does not tell us in this passage not to stress out, not to think about the bad things. He doesn't use the word not. Instead, he tells us what to think about, what is true, lovely, noble, and pure. If we begin replacing our stress with what is good and excellent, our stress will begin to fade. Now, sometimes stress can be a good thing in order to keep us on track. It holds me accountable for my responsibilities most of the time. But sometimes it blows up the little thing. It steals my happiness and keeps me extremely preoccupied. But instead of constantly telling myself not to stress out, I should be burying that stress, fostering positivity, gratitude, and lovely thoughts. If we actively decide every morning to spend our day focusing on what we are thankful for and what brings us joy, we free ourselves from the negative. I encourage you today to begin to think about what stresses you out and take Paul's challenge. Focus on the good this week. Don't let your mind be plagued by insecurity, the uncertainty of the future, a difficulty in a relationship. Instead, focus on something greater. You are created to enjoy God and glorify him forever. Thank the Lord for what he's done for you. Focus on what's noble, pure, and just. Lay your problems at the feet of Jesus and allow the Lord to grant you peace that passes all understanding. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Hey, that that analogy was not lame in the least bit. That was awesome. Um, So thank you. Maya, come on up. Maya's going to join me this morning for a little Q and A and talk about how God has been working and moving in her life uh, over the past few years. So Maya, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, how long you've been in Thomasville, all that good stuff. Well, I've been in Thomasville, I think, since I was in eighth grade. Uh, I started coming to Presbyterian Church during the middle of eighth grade which I hadn't really had much experience with church because I haven't been going to church as often as I should have growing up. So when I came here, I experienced all this, and I loved it. All right, now you're getting ahead of me here real quick. (laughs) So before that, uh, where are you going to school? Oh, I go to Thomas County Central High School. All right, Thomas County Central, you are a... I'm a senior. Senior. Congratulations (laughs) on that milestone. Hoping to go to... Valdosta State. Valdosta State. Fantastic. So, started coming to First Pres. Uh, now, before you moved to Thomasville, we, what, what was your moving, living situation like? Um, my dad is in the military, and we moved really often. I mean, every probably every couple months to a year, maybe. And I really didn't have in, any roots anywhere because we moved so often. Okay, so you popped around a good bit. Yeah. No real roots, no depth. Um, Fast forward that to eighth grade, you land here in Thomasville, and you start coming to church here at, at FPC. 
did you, you know, you made, you briefly mentioned it, but what was your church background like before you even came here? Well, my granddad is a pastor, and growing up, I went to church up until I was probably six when I moved from where my grandfather was. And so from sixth grade, maybe, well, from my age of six up until maybe eighth grade, I hadn't really gone to church at all. It's not that I didn't like church. It's just that I really didn't know anyone, and I didn't want to just show up at someone's church unannounced and feel kind of excluded and kind of standoffish about it. Okay. So, you know, no real church background. You land in Thomasville, and all of a sudden you go, hey, let's, let's try a church. Uh, and so you come here to, to First Presbyterian Church. What, what has that process been like for you coming in kind of, not really knowing anybody, kind of an outsider. What, what has that process been like? It was really brand new to me. When I first came here in my very first day, people walked up to me and tried to give me hugs, and I was just like, okay, and they were, they were like extremely nice, and I was just like, oh, okay, this is, this is new. I <laughs> wasn't used to that. And it was just an extremely inviting like place. I wasn't expecting that when I first came here. Mm. That's cool. Uh, and then... You know, kind of fast forward that, you know, you've, you've, you've gotten plugged in uh, through your time here, student ministry, went through student membership and confirmation class. And Where I received the biggest Bible of my life. You got the biggest Bible <laughs> of your life. It's a great Bible at that. Um, you know, we're partnered up uh, with, with some families through that process uh, as a mentor during that, during that process. And then you kind of, you, you now here you are, your senior year, full of anticipation, full of excitement, and you've kind of been on a, quite a wild ride uh, this year, right? Quite an adventure. Can you tell us a little bit about what just circumstantially has been happening with you? Um, I think at the beginning of senior year, I had a need to leave home, and so I left my home. Uh, I guess it was just time for me to go. And I moved around from place to place with different families in Thomasville, like the Balfours, Grimsleys, Philstons, and now the Quintons. And those families were amazing. And I've just been moving from place to place up until now since December. And they've been Okay, hang on. Let me pause on that. So there's a need for you to, to get out of a, the situation where you were. Yes. And who steps in? All these people you're telling yes. me that, how did you meet them? Um, through church, actually. Through church. The very first family I met actually was the Quintons. The very first family you met were the Quintons, who you now you've been living with since? December. December. So several other families who stepped in, you lived with them for periods of time, and now you're living with the Quintons. Yes. Since how long? December. December. <laughs> Tell us what that's like. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> They, they are, I love them to death. I, they're like a, literally a second family to me. They are amazing. They're great. They always ask you how your day was. Even if they don't want to know, they sit there and listen. <laughs> <laughs> and they've just been extremely kind. They took me into their home, and I love them to death. I really appreciate it. How, how has that process changed you, living with them for an extended amount of time in a family unit, having sisters? Uh, what, what's that been like? Oh, uh, goodness. Um, no, I know I love them. I love them. I promise. Um, it's it's been different. I'm not used to having a lot of siblings around me. I do have brothers and sisters, but they're all older than me, and so I'm not really used to having them like near me all the time and having the talk, having someone to talk to that's around my age. Hmm. 
and it's been a really great experience. I wasn't expecting it, and they showed me so much love and treated me like one of the Quintons, basically. Um, so, if you could tell me one word that would describe what you've learned about who God is through this process, what would that word be? Love, most definitely. Love. What do you mean? God has put me with all these different people and brought me to Thomasville, Georgia, and he's shown me that he's always there for me and that he'll lead me wherever I need to go, and I don't need to stress about my next move because he's going to be right there with me leading me on the right direction. Hmm. So as a result of these families' kindness and compassion, you've seen the love of Christ in your heart and in your life. And you were telling me the other day there was a passage of Scripture that really kind of sums up what you feel like this season of your life has been. Mm -hmm. Would you share that with us this morning? Sure. The passage um, that I have chosen that I love is James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what is that? what do you feel like God has kind of taught you through that verse? That through all the trials in my life that I've been through, and there have been a lot, that he's there and I don't need to worry about anything that he's going to be there and that he has my back through thick or thin. Hmm. That's fantastic. Maya, thank you so much for sharing your story with us this morning. Y'all give Maya a hand. I'd be remorse without saying this. I hope you see this church. I hope you heard that love of the Father experienced through your love of someone else. I hope that you heard that. That's kingdom work, and that's work that is worth it every time. Thank you. Miss Katie Brashear, come up and share with us this morning. So I'm Katie, and um, I've lived in Thomasville for almost two years. Um, I moved here with my parents um, during the summer before my junior year of high school. And today I want to share a little bit about um, my life and what God has been teaching me through these past two years. And um, really there's a word that God has put on my heart through my experience moving here, and that word is genuine. So in the next few minutes, I'm going to explain a little bit about what genuine has meant for me in my relationship with Jesus and what it means to be a genuine, authentic Christian. Um, to begin my story, I feel like I should tell you that moving to Thomasville wasn't part of my plan. <laughs> um, if you can put yourself in the shoes of a 16-year-old high school girl who's had two years of high school and grown up in Atlanta with the friends that you've been with your whole life, leaving that is not part of the plan. Um, and when I learned that that was what God had in store for me, um, I felt like my world was ending. Life was over as I knew it. Um, and when I first moved here, I was angry. 
I was lonely, uncomfortable, and I was confused. Um, but if you would have asked me how I felt at the time, I would have smiled and said, I'm fine. But I was lying because I was not fine. I was a complete mess, and I was angry at God. God had taken me out of my bubble of comfort that I had grown so attached to, and I desperately longed for it. I tried to hang on to it during that first semester living here by going back to Atlanta every chance that I had, but those visits always left me missing the way my life had been and realizing that that's not the life that I had anymore. Um, and I was confused because I heard all my life that Jesus loved me and that he would never leave my side, but at the time I truly felt abandoned and forgotten. You see, when I lived in Atlanta, um, I was a believer, but my faith was entirely surface level because I had never been pushed far enough out of what was comfortable to understand my real need for anything more than that. Um, and I think because of that, so much of my identity and self-worth were in things that weren't God. Um, and when I didn't have those things and those people around me, I was really lost. And um, I wouldn't admit it because admitting it was like admitting defeat. Um, it meant that I couldn't do it on my own and that for the first time in my life, my own strength wasn't enough. So I just kept up the facade that everything was fine. And I, was, and I ignored how entirely overwhelmed I felt on the inside. Um, I was a phony and a fraud, and there wasn't anything genuine or authentic about who I was showing other people that I was and who I was telling myself that I was. Um, I wasn't being real with myself. I wasn't being real with the people in my life, and I wasn't being real with God. I, don't, I didn't want to believe that I wasn't enough, and I didn't want anyone else to know that about me, especially not God. I kept up I kept this up until I was so weary that I physically couldn't do it anymore. Um, I was at the end of my own strength, and I had to learn for the first time what it meant to rely on strength that came from God and not from myself. Um, I was broken. I was on my knees, and I finally looked to God to give me the answer to the questions that had been burdening my heart for months. And those questions were, why me, and what am I doing wrong? Why is this so hard? Um, over the next few months, Jesus began to reveal the answers to those questions. And I think that the answer to the question of why me was that God had a very real purpose in bringing me and my family to Thomasville. And I think that purpose for me was so that I could learn the hard lesson of what it means to be a genuine and authentic Christian and what it means to truly... Um, love God and love people genuinely. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. When I read that for the first time, um, it hit me really hard. And I realized that that was something that I was missing and it was something that God was putting on my heart to chase after. So once I realized that, I sort of had a moment of, okay, genuine, great, <laughs> that's cool, sounds like a plan, cool, God. <laughs> and then it sort of hit me like, how do I get that? How do I attain being genuine? And that lesson came later, um, and it was a hard lesson to learn, but I realized that you can't be genuine unless you're vulnerable. 
authenticity comes with vulnerability. And if we're honest, being vulnerable is not easy. It's actually really hard and quite frankly terrifying because it means that we're going outside of our comfort zone and entering into the messiest parts of our own lives and the lives of the people walking through life with us. But that genuine love is what we're called to as Christians because genuine love glorifies Jesus. It paints such a beautiful picture of the love Jesus has for us and the love that he desires for our relationships with each other. When we're completely vulnerable with the people in our lives, it allows us to experience real community and how beautiful life can be when we share it with people in a genuine and authentic way. That's something I learned once I truly opened myself up to understand God's plan for my life here in Thomasville. And I allowed, I allowed myself to find peace and joy and friendship. All of those things were there for me from the very beginning, but my own plan was obstructing God's plan for me. Um, when we're completely vulnerable with God, it's a game changer because it opens our hearts up for spiritual growth and a deeper understanding of who God is. So the questions that I want to leave with you all today are first, are you being real with yourself? Have you come to terms with the fact that you're not enough on your own and that it's okay because we serve a God who is enough? And second, are you completely vulnerable with the people in your life? Do you have a community that gives you an opportunity to grow in your faith and experience what genuine love is? And lastly, are you being vulnerable with God? Do you know what it feels like to have the God of the universe pulling you deeper and deeper into an authentic relationship with him? If not, I want to encourage you to be vulnerable, even when it's scary or uncomfortable or inconvenient, because the reward of being the genuine, authentic Christian that you were created to be is much too great to pass up on. A life centered around Christ, full of genuine love and community, is life to the fullest, and it's the life that we were designed to live. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. What Jesus has taught me through the past few years of my life is that we can only claim that our love for people and our love for the Lord is genuine when we're completely vulnerable with the people around us. We, we completely abandon whatever plan we've made for our own lives, and we accept our own weaknesses. And we're especially vulnerable with the God who desires an intimate relationship with us more than anything else. Thank you. Well, I hope, hope you heard those three messages. How are you dealing with stress and anxiety? How are you persevering when things get hard? Are you being authentic? Are you being vulnerable? You know, there's a reason that Paul tells Timothy, do not let anyone look down on you because of your youth. And so my hope this morning is that you won't just hear these students and go, woohoo, good job, great job, you're so awesome. But that you'll listen. That you'll hear what God has been doing in their hearts and in their lives. And that you'll ask yourselves, what is in, his, what is in this for me? What do you want me to hear from this this morning? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we do come this morning humbled at how you have worked in the hearts and in the lives of the students that you have here at this church. We are blown away 
at your love, at your faithfulness, your covenant love and your covenant faithfulness to these teenagers. We're thankful that you have walked with them, that your hand has been on them, that you have guided them through the years. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use the messages that you have laid on their hearts to work in our hearts and in our lives to bring about change. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.